Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful conversations. We're going to talk about life and love and basically everything in between. This is a place where done is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where you can really just come as you are. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it, y'all? Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have fun too. Scout's honor. I promise you this. I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, you are so welcome. And before we get started, pause and make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes so that each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And if you're an old friend, um, welcome back. Hi there. I already know you're all subscribed and good to go, but would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be incredibly grateful for that. Now, I used to feel like all weird and awkward about asking you to do this, but then I listened to Oprah's podcast and even she asks her listeners to do it. In the podcast world, those subscribes and ratings and reviews really, really help us. So thank you in advance. You are the best. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, find me on Instagram at The Refined Woman or my podcast specific account at The Refined Collective and send me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. How many times as a woman do you find yourself apologizing throughout your day? Oh, I'm sorry for this. Oh, I'm sorry for that. I've realized lately how much and how often I am just apologizing for things that really, if I stop and think about, I'm not really sorry for, but I am just acting as though I am sorry so that I can be less than or not make another person feel uncomfortable or even diminish my own feelings and experience. I was chatting with today's podcast guest about just this before we started recording our episode, and we had plans to talk about totally other things in the episode, but we were both like, we need to talk about this. As women, we need to stop apologizing. So mid-conversation, we just hit record, and I think it ended up being a pretty cool conversation. So who am I talking to on this episode? Y'all are in for a treat. I'm talking with Dr. Sasha Shilkut. She is a nationally renowned cardiac anesthesiologist at the top of her field and has witnessed gender bias in her male-dominated field time and time again. She's also witnessed countless women withdraw, swallow their words, and conceal their ideas and leadership. But in her new book, Between Grit and Grace, The Art of Being Feminine and Formidable, she inspires and empowers women to discover their confidence, step into the arena, and be who God created them to be all day, every day, at home and at work. So needless to say, it's a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to dive in. So let's get to it. So one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately, even just in my personal journey of writing the book that I'm writing is getting to this place where I'm in hard conversations with 
my publisher or my team and realizing, why do I apologize so much? I feel like as a woman, I apologize for things all the time that I'm not sorry about. And I just wanted to know your experience with that, Sasha. Like, is that something you resonate with? I love that you bring this up because I think this is like the after reflection of difficult conversations or being a leader, being a woman leader. You know, how often at the end of the day do you kind of replay in your mind? Like, was I too authoritative? Was I too assertive with this conversation? Or, oh gosh, should I bring donuts tomorrow for everybody? You know, as as like a after conversation. Mm -hmm. And I write about this in Between Grit and Grace. I talk about how what we're really doing is we're asking permission of ourselves to be ourselves, And it's really interesting because women, I know so many women and we're educated. We are experienced. We have talent. We have all the things like you, Kat, that are going to put, you're going to put this book out into the world. You're going to teach us something. And yet what we're really doing is asking, okay, how can I as Kat be less Kat? Because society, like you're okay being who you are, but society isn't used to women saying no or saying, actually, I'm going to do this. Or actually, I appreciate that idea, but this is what I'm going to do with my work, with my life, with my team. We're we're okay with it, but we know society isn't. Mm -hmm. So it's like we constantly have to ask ourselves, do we have permission to be ourselves today? Or were we too much ourselves today? Do we now have to apologize for being more ourselves? And it's such a conflicting message. And I even feel this way in dating too. I mm. a huge thing that I've been going through personally is I feel like God has just been giving me like I don't know if this is like the right terminology, but it's feel it's felt like test after test after test recently in dating scenarios of I realized for most of my dating life in my teens and 20s that I wasn't speaking my truth or I was dimming my quote unquote light or I wasn't expressing what I wanted or needed or calling things out because I didn't want to be too much or I would precursor a, um, a conflict conversation with, I'm so sorry, but... And recently... I've just been really trying to not apologize for things that I'm not sorry about. And especially I I can do it more so with my female friends or people that I feel really safe with. But I had a dating scenario recently where I'd met this guy and he was pursuing me, seemed like a really great guy and didn't live in my city and flew out to New York for the, for the weekend. We were supposed to have this great time. And the first dinner that we had when he was when he came to visit, it went terribly. And all this stuff came to the surface that were massive deal breakers um, as far as what I'm looking for in a partner and a spouse. And at first I was like super disappointed, but the next part of me was like, thank you God for showing me mm-hmm. kind of this person's true colors mm-hmm. before getting too deep into a relationship. And so I felt really clear. I don't, I can't move forward with this person romantically. Yeah. And I also felt really clear that the only reason why I would keep spending time with this person for the rest of the weekend was out of obligation because mm-hmm. I knew I don't I do not want to date this person. And 
I slept on it. We still had plans on Saturday and Saturday morning I realized, yeah, like I don't want to move forward. And so one of the hardest things that I did was I called him on the phone and I thanked him for flying out to visit me and for getting to know me, but that I don't want to move forward. And I hope he has a great weekend in New York. (laughs) And Sasha, it was all I could do not to apologize, not be like, I'm so sorry. Like, I know, I know you flew all the way out here and, you know, you booked a hotel and, you know, you spent all this money. I'm so sorry. But I was like, I'm not sorry. And why am I apologizing? Like, why do I feel like I need to apologize for this? Whereas like, I don't think men are taught the same thing. No, they aren't. And I, you know, one of the things I have found myself doing, because I work in, in healthcare and um, I have found myself doing this so many times and now I have like corrected myself is I will hear someone say something that is really inappropriate or really sexist or just totally inappropriate. And I will say, I'm sorry, but I'm going to call you out on that. And then I'm thinking, wait a minute, I've just taken the piece of poop that this person said and like taken it from them. The minute I say, I'm sorry, it's not my piece of poop. Like, mm-hmm. I'm giving it right back. So I changed and, and, and to give myself pause, I say, can you repeat that? Mm. Because then the piece of poo stays with the person. So I think this ha- this can, you know, you can extrapolate this to friendships. You can, to anything, when someone does something inappropriate or rude, or someone says something that's inaccurate about you or your story or your want or desire or your needs, or like this situation, like instead of apologizing for what really was his behavior or just the lack of connection, you know, just leave it, let the person hold it and just say, can you repeat that? That's what I say. Or I'll say, actually, can, can you repeat that one more time where I gather my thoughts of what to say and not to apologize? Um, and the other thing that I've learned to say is thank you instead of I'm sorry. Mm. So sometimes I'll walk into a meeting and I'm on time, but everybody else is around already sitting or I'm a few minutes late and I would find my, but even though I'm late, it's because I'm taking care of a patient or something. And I would, I would walk in to a meeting and the first words out of my mouth were, I'm sorry. And you instantly put yourself in a place of blame and shame. And now I walk in, I go, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for waiting. See, it's a totally different position of power and, and you're, you, you're not apologizing for something that is out of your control. That's really good. And I think we in those moments where things are out of our control, acknowledging, hey, I, and I don't know what you think about this, but I think because being on time is something that's like super important to me is like acknowledging, hey, I, I wasn't here when I said I was going to be here. Thank you for waiting. Yes. Things are out of our control. And I think so much of what happens for me personally in breakdown is like, I just want that to be acknowledged, you know, Um, but also not, yeah, just not apologizing for things that we don't need to apologize for. And I think as women, we're constantly apologizing for being strong or being, yes, being brave, courageous women. And so as like not to ruffle the feathers of mm-hmm. whether it's the men around us or the societal expectations of us. And, you know, I think when I got off the phone with this guy and then recently I had a really hard meeting with um, some of my team and I got off the phone and the first thing I thought was like, man, I feel like I was being 
like I need to apologize or man, I was being, I hope they don't think I was being bitchy. Yep. It, it reminds me of like the new Taylor Swift song that just came out, The Man. I don't know if you've seen yep. that. You know? <laughs> yes, yes. But I was yes. like, man, if it was a man that was on that call, it would have been like, wow, he is clear. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what he wants. But as a woman, it's like, ooh, like she's being super bossy or whoa, yep. like wait, she's being bitchy or too assertive. And I just felt like, no, I was not being those things. It's okay that I have a vision. It's okay that I communicate that. Obviously, I don't want to be a jerk or like, you know, be condescending in my approach when I communicate with others. But I know you talk a lot about like, it's okay to be bossy. And Mm -hmm. I think bossy for women can almost be this four letter word, um, especially in the workplace or even at home or in relationships. So what do you think about bossiness? So I have this, uh, I wrote this article once about bossy saving lives. Like being bossy saves lives, you know, taking action saves lives. And if I'm your doctor, you want me to be bossy, right? Like you don't want me to be like, hmm, maybe I should treat that blood pressure. Maybe I should just let it go. Mm. I don't know. And yet you're exactly right. When women, we know this because there's research that to support that when women start embracing assertive and authoritative tones and roles, everybody in the room kind of like pulls back like, oh gosh, here she goes. She's being rude. She's, she's, you know, being bitchy. She's being bossy. But the truth is that we are all, we we are educated and we have expertise that other people don't have that require us to lead. And those leadership roles, like leading your team or leading your publisher or leading your agent or leading the creativity of your book require you to step into authoritative and assertive stances. And so one of the things that I coach women through, and I talk about this in Between Grit and Grace, is using leading statements. So there's studies to show that if you just say, um, like say you're having a meeting with your publisher and your agent and your book team, and you're like saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, for the next five minutes, I'm going to tell you exactly what I view to be what I see as the vision for my book. I want X and I'm going to use really authoritative tone. I'm not upset. I just have a clear, I'm really passionate about this and I have a clear focus. And when I have a clear focus and I'm passionate and authoritative about something, this is the tone I use. There's studies Mm -hmm. to show that if you lead with that statement, everybody kind of takes a breath and goes, oh, okay. Like she's not upset at us. She's not. And and it's frustrating that we as women even have to do these things. Um, But it does kind of allow everyone in the room to take a breath. The other thing I do is when I, I've really changed because of the research that I've done in this, when I see a woman starting to be assertive and lead, I used to kind of cringe and go, oh no, she's going to get backlash or this is going to get uncomfortable. Now I affirm her instantly before anyone can take away her power. I'll say, Oh my gosh, Kat, that was really, that was really smart. I don't know as much as you do about this. Clearly you're an expert. Tell us more because then it just, it, it, it changes the tone of the room, especially if there's men in the room. Cause the men go, Oh, Sasha's not threatened by Kat and Sasha's affirming her and she is an expert and we want to hear more. So I think those are two easy things that we as women can do to kind of embrace our bossiness. So you're saying to kind of set the stage for, hey, for the next few minutes, I am going to unpack what is what it is that I really want. I don't want to say like, oh, I'm not trying to be harsh because then it's like still I'm dismissing. But you're saying like, 
to say something like, I'm not upset or I'm not angry. I'm just really clear about my vision. Yes. Like, so I want to, yes. Help reframe that a few more times. Cause I feel like it's not like, I'm not absorbing it yet. <laughs> so one of the things that they, th- this has been described in the psychology literature as leading statements. And a lot of leadership research shows that this in organizational research shows that this really helps when you are going to be passionate about something, or even if you, you know, for some women, when they get angry, they cry and they're not sad. They're angry because they're really passionate about the topic. So one of the things you can do when you're going to take control of the conversation and you're going to say, this is non-negotiable for me. Like these five things are non-negotiable, or this is what we have to do to save this patient's life, let's say, or this is what we have to do to meet my expectations for the book. There's, there's something to be said with saying for the next five minutes, I'm going to very clearly define where I see my book and I'm going to assert my non-negotiables. And I'm hoping I'm doing it this way so that everyone really can get a clear understanding of my view. And then afterwards we can talk about it. I'm not upset or anything. I'm just so passionate about my book cover that this is how I'm going to talk about it. Mm. And that will kind of open the door for everyone to go to. And it also makes everybody listen kind of like, Oh, this is important cat. And it takes, it takes it away from you to actually the content of what you're saying. It puts it on the content of what you're about to say. This episode of the refined collective podcast is brought to you by my very own free guide for single women six tips to activate your dating life. Raise your hand if dating as a woman of faith in today's swipe right, swipe left culture has ever felt like a total struggle fest. Or maybe being single in our culture today feels overwhelming, lonely, discouraging, frustrating. And maybe if you're being really honest, it can even feel hopeless. Listen, single gal to single gal, I totally get it. But did you know that doing the same thing over and over again while expecting different results is known as the insanity cycle? Friend, it is time to walk into a freeing, exciting, and purpose-filled season of singleness. It's time to activate your dating life. I created a free guide for you, and by free, I mean zero dollars, called Six Tips to Activate Your Dating Life to equip you to shake things up in your season of singleness. You can grab it right now at bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. Now you will walk away knowing number one, the biggest mindset shift that will transform how you show up in your dating life. Number two, I'm going to teach you how to get unstuck in your dating life. And three, I will show you the number one thing you can start doing today that will radically change your season of singleness. And finally, the three things I wish someone would have told me 10 years ago about dating. You don't have to wander around for years like I did, insecure, uncertain, and discouraged about your dating or lack thereof life. So if any of this resonates with you, pause and go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash T-R-W dating tips and grab your free guide. Again, that's bit.ly slash T-R-W dating tips. All right, let's get back to it. So in that, you brought up crying. 
Yes. And when you said that, like, I instantly thought back to like a league of their own. Like, there's no crying in baseball. Like, and what do you think about whether it's like crying in a conversation at work or in a hard conversation with a guy? Like, I just this last week had a very it was a good conversation with a guy in my life, a guy that I really care about, but it was a hard conversation. And it was kind of like a, um, like my feelings had been hurt and I could feel myself feeling emotions arise in the conversation and then tell myself, don't cry because he's not going to take me seriously if I cry Mm -hmm. or I'm just going to become like this dramatic girl if I start crying in this conversation. And so I held myself back. And then looking back, even just that night after the conversation, I wondered, should I have just let myself cry? That's really how I was feeling. Um, So there's that. And then also in the boardroom, just feeling like if you're a woman in the boardroom and you cry in a conversation with a coworker who's a man and you cry, then it's like, it almost feels like you lose all your street cred. So what do you think about that? So this is a really good topic. One of the people that I love to learn on this topic, her name is Hillary Blair and she is a voice coach. And I've had, I've hired her to come in when to the women's conferences that I lead to teach on this topic, because this often happens in, in the realm that I swim in, which is healthcare as women physicians, we have to, um, many times have difficult conversations or we have to really have critical conversations with other doctors. And it's intimidating if you're Mm -hmm. a woman doctor and you find yourself crying. So there, it, Mm -hmm. it really is how you express your anger and how you express your passion And so she teaches women how to talk through tears, which is so empowering. And one of the things that she's taught me, which I have done this because I am a public speaker. I give a lot of uh, keynotes and I tell one story that is really powerful, but I often cry in the story. And so I coached with Hillary. I was like, what do I do when I'm on stage? And I feel like I'm going to cry. And she's like, well, first of all, you tell everyone that you say, I may cry, but I'm okay you may not be okay with me crying, but I'm actually really okay. She's like, so I tell women this too, when they're having conversations, like I'm going to advocate for my patient right now, or I'm going to tell you about something that's really upsetting me because it was very hurtful for me. Um, it undermined my authority, or maybe you're having, like you said, this conversation with your friend and there's actually power to say, I may get emotional. I'm totally okay. I'm completely fine. I don't want you to worry about me because most of the time the person listening is worried about you. They're uncomfortable because they're actually worried about you. So if you say, um, I may get emotional when I talk right now, but it's only because I'm so passionate about this or I'm so concerned about this. I care so much. The other people in the room, even if you're in the boardroom, will kind of like take a deep breath. So for me, I sometimes get that way when I'm angry And if I'm in the boardroom and I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk about this topic because I'm really passionate about it and I'm, I have the most knowledge about it. And so I don't feel like everyone's listening to me. I may get emotional. My voice may crack. I'm okay. I just want you to know that it's because I'm so passionate about this. It changes the tone. And if you cry, it's okay. It sounds like a lot of it is just setting the stage. Yes. And like setting people's expectations of this is where this might go. Right. And that's okay. Like you're okay. I'm okay. (laughs) Everyone's okay. (laughs) 
um, we can, we can all be okay and we can feel. Um, and I don't know about you, but sorry, I feel like I, I just apologize. I don't need to apologize. Um, wow. <laughs> I was about to apologize for giving a lot of personal stories in this conversation. No, I love your stories. But this weekend, I was having a conversation with one of my guy friends. I guess I've had a lot of conversations with guys recently. Um, and he was talking about how he's in was feeling really disconnected from his girlfriend, and he felt like he had to like be this strong person for her. And in that, he was wearing a mask in their relationship, and he wasn't fully expressing himself. And finally, they had this breakdown, and he ended up getting emotional and crying and felt like he communicated to her, like, I just don't know if I have what it takes to, you know, be the man that I want to be for you. Like, I don't know if I'm strong enough. And she, in that moment was like, this is strength. Yeah. Like this is actually strength. Like you pretending tough guy is not like, quote unquote, being a leader to me. It's, it's being a robot. Like, this is what I want from you. And so I just am wondering, like, first of all, I thought that was super powerful Mm -hmm. and so incredible that she responded that way. Because I do think a lot of women can say they want a a vulnerable, emotionally healthy man and not any sign of, quote unquote, emotion. They're like, ew, gross, buck up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she could have handled that differently. But I thought how powerful that she handled that. And I wonder how can we as women and men really give give each other the permission to be emotional beings? And what does it look like to say, hey, me having an emotion about something doesn't mean I'm weak. It means I'm human. And communicating that, acknowledging it, setting the stage for that is actually strong. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I heard something once that was an aha moment for me. And it was a friend and I were talking about emotions and this very subject. And she said, you know, basically, if you're a human that is willing to feel and be okay with feeling any emotion, you are so uh, you, you're so ahead of the game and it's it's because when someone else like you know sees me crying on stage when i tell this very real story of loss um and death like they're they're thinking about themselves up there and they're like oh my gosh i would never be able to do that but when i say i'm okay i'm going to tell a story i hope actually i never tell the story without a tear because it'll mean that i've forgotten my grief instead of honoring my grief. Um, like when I'm, when I say that everyone goes, Oh, it's okay to feel grief. It's, it's okay to grieve. Like that's an okay emotion. And so I think that we have to really embrace emotions in one another and say like, you know, I see that you're really getting upset right now. And I, I, I see that it must be because this is really close to you, or this is something that you're really passionate about this topic. So I'm really glad that you're telling us, tell us more instead of like trying to shut it down or trying to like, Oh my gosh, this person's going to cry. We got to just get out of this uncomfortable situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the truth is we're humans and we, and we work in human companies and we're all, we're going to bring emotions to work at time. I mean, it's great when you say like, oh, you know, just bring your best self to work. But the reality is that sometimes that's your emotional self. Why do we have to compartmentalize who we are to make others feel better? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. 
I think that's so good. Um, okay. So I want to go back to this idea of like bossiness saves lives. And one thing that comes to my mind in that is this idea of negotiation. And I know, I don't know the exact statistics, but I know that, you know, you know, we also, we know that there's a big wage gap between men and women and women don't necessarily know how to fight for themselves with their salaries or promotions, or even just as entrepreneurs really fighting for, well, this is my hourly rate and this is what I charge. And kind of sticking to that. Mm-hmm. I know you have like a lot of like tips on like how to negotiate like a pro and maybe we can just say how to negotiate like a boss. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because I think you have to be willing to know what your bottom line is and how far you're going to go, but you have to, you have to really know the first step is to know two things. You have to know what your non-negotiables are. I always tell women, like you have to know that or in men too. Like if you're going to negotiate for something, you got to know what you're not willing. It's called your Banta. You can look it up, B-A-N-T-A. And, and you want to, you want to know what that is. You, you want to know like what you're not, you will not do like the last, the, the what, what are the non-negotiables? Mm-hmm. But the key in negotiation for me is, is realizing your power and your worth and knowing what the other party wants. If you can know what the other party wants, you can negotiate anything because that's your power. Like if, if you're negotiating for something, you're also, they want something from you. So the more you can understand what the other party wants from you, the more you're going to be able to negotiate. And I think that it's number one, I think it's really sad that we as women have to negotiate to, just to, just to get paid what we should get paid. I mean, I'm not talking about negotiating perks and <laughs> all the other things that are that we add a value, but it's sad to me that we live in a society and it's and if but it's true that women make, you know, anywhere it depends on your your area of practice, but anywhere between 65 to 85% of what men do. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we just have to negotiate just to make what a man does mm-hmm. is sad to me. Yeah. I mean, it's really sad. Yeah. But we have to recognize that we have to assume, I think, that we always are getting paid less because statistically we are. And really, when I think about negotiating for myself, I think I'm not just negotiating for Sasha. I'm negotiating for my family, my daughters coming behind me, my my friends that are women. I'm negotiating for all of them. And it empowers me because I think that sometimes we feel society's kind of way to make us feel bad about negotiating is again, women are not supposed to be that way. We're supposed to be grateful. We're supposed to be obedient. We're supposed to earn gold stars. We're supposed to wait for, you know, someone to notice all of our amazing work and just gift us with a bonus, which is not the way the world works. I also think of Esther in the Bible and how she like negotiated. I mean, she was a master negotiator, right? Like she was so brave and courageous And her key was in knowing what the other party wanted. And she was able to use that to negotiate. And she stepped forward, you know, in with such courage. And I ask myself all the time, like, okay, am I being courageous today? Am I realizing that I'm not just negotiating for Sasha, but I'm negotiating for the other women in my department and my daughter and my friends? And even when you're, when you're sharing that, I'm wondering about this idea of, should we as women be getting together and like telling each other how much we're making? Because that seems like the off limits conversation between like friends and coworkers. And I mean, I know for other entrepreneurs, there's like this like smokes and mirror thing, 
just when you're saying like, how do you realize your power and worth? And I feel like part of that is knowing like, what are other people doing? Yes. And what are other people making? And, you know, we'll go through a dinner table and talk about like personal details of our sex lives or sexual encounters, or we'll talk about death and do you want to be cremated? Or we'll talk about all these other things. And it's like, well, but we definitely can't talk about this. And I wonder if there would be a lot of freedom for women to really start saying like, oh, well, actually like this is this is how much I am making. And this is how I got that much because I, I knew for myself as an entrepreneur, I didn't know what was normal to be right, making right. As like a mid 30 something until I started talking to my friends who are my age. And I was like, this might sound tacky, but how much money do you make? <laughs> and how much money do you think I should be making? Right. And that really helped me in figuring out like, what was my worth? Cause I just didn't know. I think that's a really great point. And I think that the more transparent we are with our salaries or, or our skills and what we're worth, the more, the more that it reveals. And it certainly, if you are in a company in any leadership role, you definitely should be looking at the numbers of gender and pay. That's an ethical thing. To me, it's more, it's, it's ethical. People that I think they've done studies, I know they have actually, that it's, I don't, I can't quote them, but the more a company is transparent, the more likely there's a least, a, the less gender gap. So if you don't know, like you don't need to know what Sally versus John is making, but you need to know what the men versus women are making at similar roles. That should be disclosable within a company. And certainly if you're an entrepreneur, I think there's a huge value in sharing that with other like-minded entrepreneurs because, or in your area, because you're right. How else are you going to know what you should be setting your prices at or what you should be setting products or development at? 2020 is in full swing and I don't know about you, but I am here for it. I'm also here human to human to ask you for support. Help me friend to help you. The Refine Collective podcast is one of my most favorite projects that I have ever worked on in my career, but it is definitely a labor of love. We have quite a bit of hard cost each month from software and subscription services to my team who edit and produce the episodes to licensing music and running logistics for all things Refined Collective. Now, because of that, I want to invite you, yes, you, to join our Patreon community. Patreon is this incredible platform that helps listeners financially support their favorite podcasts. You can support the Refined Collective podcast for as little as $5 a month. And we made a bunch of fun different tiers that are jam-packed with free goodies and VIP access to our newest content. And you will be notified before anyone else about our upcoming live events. I'll also be going to you first to find out what questions you want answered and what topics you want covered moving forward. So in the midst of a wild year, I want to ask you, friend, if you'd be willing to link arms with my team and me and sharing some of the load and helping make the Refine Collective podcast the best it can possibly be. So if you want to learn more or sign up today, head on over to patreon.com slash the Refine Collective. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the Refine Collective. Thank you so, so much for being a part of this community. When you 
say to know what the other party wants from you? How do we know what the other party wants? Like whether it's like, oh, I'm going in to interview for this job or I want to get a promotion. How do I know? How can I find that out? Is it by asking the person interviewing you or? Yeah. So for example, if you're interviewing for a job, you know, what are going to be the the highest three deliverables that you're going to expect from me this year? Um, That right there tells you like what the most important needs are that they're they're for their hiring needs. Mm. And you just, they just told you like what they need the most from you. Mm. So how do you optimize yourself as a candidate in those three areas and utilize that to negotiate for what you need? Because say they say, well, we want you to do this training or we want you to travel or do, and do these three, you know, talks or training sessions. Okay, well, what do what does my travel budget look like? What are my what's my PTO like mm-hmm. around travel then? Or how do I have all that I need to meet those objectives? So I think sometimes we are too shy or we're too scared of losing um in, in those situations that we don't ask, but the, but there's actually, I think, power in being the candidate that asks those questions or that negotiates for things. And we know that women typically never negotiate for their first job. And that's why there's the gap because a woman gets an offer and she's like, Oh my gosh, they're offering me this job and they're going to pay me this. The man, a man, same, same exact year out of schooling or graduation or whatever, he gets his first offer and goes, Oh, that's what they're offering. Awesome. How about you pay me this? So the gap starts, we know the gap starts in year one. Man, that just, I feel like that just goes into this whole bigger conversation of walking in our worth as women. And because I just, I believe like Mm -hmm. how we show up for one thing is how we show up for everything. And how many other scenarios in our lives do we assume unworthiness from the get go? Or we, we only feel worthy if X happens. Like I feel worthy of the relationship I want when I lose the weight, or I only feel worthy of the job I want when I perform Mm -hmm. X or whatever the thing is. It's like we, I think as women, I just wonder what would happen in the world if like from the get-go, the narrative was I am worth, I'm, I'm worthy and I am worth a lot. Um, I am valuable as opposed to like, I'm just happy to be breathing and have a seat at the table. Like (laughs) we're coming from this place, like from the get go of like, Oh wow. Like I'm just this like orphan off the street that you thankfully let in as opposed to (laughs) no, like I am like royalty. Like I'm a daughter of the creator of the universe and I have value. Not, not like egocentric, but just knowing, no, I matter. And my voice matters. I am qualified and coming from that place. Yes. I know for me, like in my relationship life, it would have saved me a lot of heartache. And in my career, it would have saved me a lot of years in the beginning of being really okay with either working for free or doing pro bono stuff or going way under my rate. Cause I felt like I should just feel lucky that this brand is talking right. to me. Yes. And I think oftentimes when we we don't realize that we are in our own driver's seat um and that we are we are in you know we are we can be the ceo of of our own life company like i say that all the time be the ceo of your own life because when you realize that you are you actually start seeing every offer differently um because you see that it is a choice as an option like 
oh, there, you know, I mean, this happens to me all the time. I get asked to speak and I'm like, oh, wow, I got asked to speak, but they're only paying me this. Well, I guarantee that there's some man out there that they've paid. I know this. This has happened to me so many times where I find out they're paying the male speaker like three times as much. And when I have brought up this like in anger, they're like, well, that's what his asking fee is. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know it was negotiable, you know? So I think that we have to be really like, we have to see that we have the ability and we have to see ourselves as the CEO of our, our own life. And then we will have, Mm -hmm. we have more options. Um, you know, and I wonder too, if there's something powerful and the position of I'm willing to walk away from something good because I know I am worth something excellent. And I also trust that God is an abundant God and God is for me. And so if I'm willing to say, you know what, like the speaking engagement isn't my rate and thank you so much for reaching out, you know, let me know if things change as opposed to like me like bending and like, oh, well, like uh, I should do this. Okay. I'm just going to say yes to this thing. I remember years ago when I first started my photography business, I worked for another photographer who was very successful and he was a man and charged higher than almost any photographer in the United States. And he said, don't ever compromise on your pricing. He was like, you either give something away for free because you feel totally good about it or you charge you charge your full rate. He's like, because anytime you compromise your pricing, you're compromising who you are and your brand. And that person, you know, their budget the whole time was only $500. Right. And so they don't see it as a gift. You know, you only feel bad about that. And so anytime that I have compromised on my pricing, first of all, his voice like haunts me in my head, but he's, he was right every single time. Like every time I did that, it didn't feel worth it. So to be willing to walk away and say, no, I am, this is what I know I am worth. And then gosh, how, I mean, I'm just thinking of in my own life as a single woman too, like, am I willing to walk away from good? Right for the sake of waiting for something that I really want. And you're so wise to do that. I mean, I know it's the harder thing to do. I mean, I, I tell, I have friends that are, that are single and I say to them all the time, like you could have been married so many times, but you're so smart because you're Mm -hmm. waiting for the best and you're waiting for excellent. You're waiting for what you're worth. It's not about like, Oh, not getting married. Like, why isn't she married? It's about like you knowing your worth because let me tell you, you could have been married like by, you know, 500 times if you wanted to, that's not the issue. So I just think you're so wise to do that. And I think that it also opens up space for us to know what we are worth and to grow. Like if we say yes to everything, then we're never really having that space that's opened up, at least in my life. I know the times I've just said yes to too many things, it has completely closed the door on things that I wish I would have said be able to say yes to, but I can't. So I'm so really amazed by you, Kat, because you, you're holding out for excellence because you know you're worth it. And if you said yes to what's good, you would never have the opportunity to pursue what's excellent. Yeah, that's, it's true. And I think what you said is so important of changing the dialogue around, you know, whether it's singleness or in the, in your career of, well, when I say that I, yeah, I could be married. 
I could. I could speak at that conference if I wanted to, but I'm choosing not to because I I am clear about what it is that I really want. I'm clear about my worth. I'm clear about my value. I'm clear about my non-negotiables. And then that takes me from being a victim to my circumstances as empowered and clear and ready for something really, really good and powerful. And I just, I think you just hit like a big nail on the head there with that because I know so many single women and myself for a long time too, I felt like a victim to my singleness or in my career, I felt like a victim to being a woman in a man's world. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I started really owning, okay, well, what is, what kind of what you're saying, like how to, how to like be a boss? Like, well, the first thing is like to know your non-negotiables, know what it is that I want and realize your worth. And then, and then step from that place. Cause that's, that takes me from being a victim to empowered. For sure. Okay. Sasha, we've just like gone to the deep end from like minute one. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Um, if there was one thing that you would want a woman struggling to walk out in her worth that you would want her to know, what would that be? I would want her to know that there's only one person and that is that she, there's no one else but her in this whole entire planet that God has created with the gifts and the talents and the emotions and the leadership style and all of the things that make her unique. And I think that that is truly our power is, is that we were created as by an, you know, a number of one, I always say we're an N of one. And when we embrace that, when we embrace our authenticity and when we embrace our unique characteristics, that's when we can find out our purpose. And I know it's so easy to, we live in a world of constant comparison where we scroll Instagram and we identify all the things we don't have, you know, mm-hmm. the legs we don't have, the weight that's not perfect, um, the clothing or the the bag we want and every, or the career or the family or the husband. But the truth is that when we embrace the unique characteristics of our own leadership and power, it is so freeing. And we stop the the chatter of comparison and we just embrace our own power in Christ. And I think that that is so, it's so vital for women to remind themselves of every single day that they are enough being exactly who they are. That's so good. That's so powerful. Oh, Sasha, thank you. Thank you for your wisdom and <laughs> teaching me how to negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And just being willing to like dive right in. We were chatting before we started recording. We're like, why aren't we recording? Let's, let's just start recording. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Let's get to it. So you have a lot going on in your life. You're up to some really cool things. How can my community get your book? How can they follow along with what you're up to? So the best thing to find just to, is to check out my website, becomebraveenough.com. All of the conferences and courses and classes and retreats and everything I have offered and writings and everything. There's a lot of free, great material on my website in this community. And the book that is has just come out this month is called Between Grit and Grace, The Art of Being Feminine and Formidable. And you can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or Target. 
Congrats on that. I know that as a labor of love and as someone who is currently writing a book, I'm like, <laughs> you freaking did it. Like you gave birth. <laughs> way to go. I know. I can't wait to read yours. It's going to be awesome. Thank you. Well, I'm just so grateful to connect with you and um, I just love your insight and vision and I can't wait to read Grace as well. So thanks for sharing your voice with the world. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. If you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.